0: what's up everybody dave here just want to remind you that this episode of tales from the backlog is brought to you by the patrons of the tube personal heroes of mine such as chris nelson and the top three podcast crew have gone to patreon.com slash real dave jackson to support the tube and they're getting some cool treats in return you can be like them and head to patreon.com slash jackson and you will be my hero too all right let's get to the show My name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, co-host of the Between Two Gamers podcast and experienced camp counselor Liv Byer. Welcome.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, good to have you on the show. Today, Liv and I are going to be talking about The Quarry, which is a cinematic horror adventure game developed by Supermassive Games and published by 2K for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC in 2022. And Liv, if you had to give a quick elevator pitch for The Quarry, what would you say?
1: If you stayed at summer camp a little too long because Uh you wanted more than you could handle.
0: I think that counts. And you are going to get more than you could handle. Um, I wrote, yeah, a cinematic horror game set at a summer camp with uh, counselors who bit off a little bit more than they can chew, right?
1: I wanted to just be a little ominous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Uh, This is a super massive game, so you know things are not going to go well for everybody there. Spoiler policy for today's episode is going to be a regular Tales from the Backlog spoiler policy Uh, This is a very cinematic game, the story is very important, and the story can go in many different ways. So we are going to save all of that stuff for the spoiler section, and we'll talk about kind of top-down thoughts about the story and gameplay and stuff in the non-spoiler part, just like a regular episode. But before we get into talking about The Quarry, Liv, I want to give you a chance to tell people what's going on uh, on Between Two Gamers.
1: So I'm Liv from Between Two Gamers, very obviously. I Mm co-host that with my best friend, Frui, who lives in the UK. So when we do guest appearances, it's usually pretty split because of time zones. So we started off initially as doing one episode a week, but then our new segment ran a little long. So Between Two Gamers is now on Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah. Wednesdays. Yeah. (laughs) Wednesdays (laughs) is our main topic of the show. Sometimes we do game reviews. Sometimes I make Frui talk about weird things like, why does this game (laughs) have a cookbook or let's play a game where I discover, describe the cover art of a video game and see if you know what it is. And then mm-hmm. Friday, we get into news and rumors. If it's a light news week, I start making up stuff and I don't uh-huh. tell them about it.
0: <laughs> Very good. And that's one of the things I, uh, I enjoy about Between Two Gamers is the energy that you have and the situations where you are going like full energy and... Frui's is very obviously a little bit uncomfortable or like unsure of what's going on. It's it's great content, great podcasting content.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I like to say that I pull him out of his comfort zone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, besides Between Two Gamers, Liv, you've also got something cool going on uh, for all of the indie podcasters out there, gaming podcasters, uh, of which I know there are lots of people listening. And so there is a Discord server that you've started for indie gaming podcasters. And can you tell everybody what that's all about?
1: Yeah, it's called Co-op Podcasting Network. It kind of came out of nowhere in a sense. So it really formed from Twitter. And then I started to notice that we started reaching out to people to collab. And then we would join their Discord servers and we saw a lot of familiar faces. So Mm -hmm. I asked Frui and I said do you think we could like set something up? Like, can you just set it up for me and I will do everything? So he built it all and he then transferred it to me and said, do your social thing. So Mm -hmm. what I do is I started looking through people's Twitters. As soon as I got like one person, I would just go through their followers and I was like, they're going to have friends. And (laughs) what started with about five people, I think we're like in the middle of the 100s now. So I couldn't have predicted what that would turn into.
0: Yeah, I honestly when when you invited me, I was not sure what it was going to be about. Is it is it just going to be one of those Discord servers that's just all people, you know, I post my podcast episode and then I disappear for a week and then next week I come in and post my episode again, and that's not really what's happened. Um I've said a lot of times on this show that one of the like unseen like great benefits of doing a podcast is the community of other podcasters and how supportive and cool everybody is. And you've gathered hundreds of podcasters all in the same place. And it's a very cool and supportive space. And I enjoy it.
1: I'm glad that you enjoy it. A lot of people kind of thought I was a bot messaging them. So then I had to (laughs) change up how I presented it. But I like to think of it as a place where you make friends. And you find people with similar interests. And then that's how you go on someone's podcast and stuff. It's not one of those follow for follow sub for sub type things. Like I feel like a lot of people genuinely made friends and that makes me really happy.
0: Yeah. And like I said, that was my worry when I first got the invite and that is not what's going on there. So if anyone listening is an indie games podcaster and you're looking for a space full of other podcasters to talk shop or just talk about games, movies, whatever um, it's turned out to be a really cool place. So the co-op podcasting network, discord server, um, Really good job there, Liv. So I'll put it, um, I will, uh, yeah, this is sending out the call. Anyone who's not involved, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, definitely check that out. So we're going to get into talking about the quarry, and we begin each episode by talking about our personal histories with it. So Liv, what's your history with Supermassive, and what made you want to play the quarry?
1: I played until dawn. And my experience with that was my freshman year of college, we all got around into someone's dorm room and we sat there and the one guy had the PlayStation and he made, he went off of what everyone in the room wanted. So I had an experience with a lot of people and that was my introduction to choice-based games and I was into it. So, as soon as The Dark Pictures came out, which was supposed to be like that, but never lived up to what Until Dawn was, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. I saw The Quarry come out, and I said, this is a day one purchase for me, and Mm -hmm. I'm very, very happy with how that game turned out.
0: Yeah, so, I keep saying this, we're in the middle, or we're finishing up a month full of horror games on the podcast, and I still insist that I don't like horror games, and... I've started to like really enjoy them a lot more over the last year or so. I still don't like games that are full of jump scares. You will never ever see me playing like five nights at Freddy's or some shit like that. But um, I never played until dawn, like way back in the day. I never played the dark pictures games uh, cause I, I don't like scary stuff, but I did an episode of play along podcast uh, with Jared on his show Uh, where everyone recommends a game to each other and you play it and then you discuss. And he made me play until dawn because I told him I don't like horror games. And he was like, yeah, you're playing until dawn then. So I ended up really loving it though. um, Despite what I would have expected. And so like you, when I heard about the quarry, I was like, okay, I don't know if it's going to be a day one thing, but I am definitely going to play that. And that was a game that like, I knew you were playing it a lot. So When I was thinking about who to have on the show for it, it was a perfect uh, opportunity to invite you on.
1: Yeah, I've played this game twice already. So (laughs) I don't know how you play choice-based games, but I like to go in and have my authentic experience. Then the Mm -hmm. next time I go in, I want to try to get the best outcome possible. Mm -hmm. And then usually my third run, which I haven't done yet because I don't want to burn myself out of the game, I'm going to kill everyone. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) And we'll talk about those choices later on in the episode and kind of our motivations behind those. Definitely. If people are wondering how long the quarry is, uh, my playthrough took about eight hours, maybe eight, nine hours, 10 hours, something like that. PlayStation's not super accurate tracking stuff like that. Does that sound right to you?
1: Yeah, I spent definitely 10 hours into it because I'm a bit of an achievement hunter and collectible hunter, so I will walk around and click on everything.
0: Yeah. So like I said before, this is a super cinematic game. So this is not, unless you skip all the cutscenes. this isn't a game that's going to take less than eight hours, I would guess. But unless you spend a bunch of time hunting for collectibles, you're not going to add a ton of time onto it. I feel like it's going to be pretty consistent. So a little bit of opening thoughts about the quarry. Uh, before we get into kind of the meat of the episode, um, I think this game's really fun. Like I had a really good time taking in the story, making those choices, getting to know the characters and kind of unraveling the mystery. Um, I don't think I like this as much as Until Dawn, but it's like something some things that the quarry does better um, than Until Dawn and then other things Until Dawn does better than the quarry. So it's not like a... And upgrade in every area it just kind of like it's a different kind of story it's different types of characters different people are going to like different things about each game uh, but i still did have a good time and you mentioned that co-op stuff i think that the co-op options that they put into this game and like the the wolf pack mode i think they call it which we'll talk about later all of those are really awesome inclusions not something for me because I play games alone all the time. But for a lot of people, they're going to find a lot of stuff to like about the quarry. What about you?
1: Yeah, I don't want to turn it into a compare contrast with Until Dawn. But I, what I will say is I thought that the characters in the quarry were more memorable and more personable. I felt like they had you could tell like each characters apart. In Until Dawn, it was kind of here's a stereotype by a stereotype by a stereotype type of person. Mm-hmm. The dialogue's much more improved, but I would say that I didn't find the quarry scary. I thought it was more of an adventure mystery game, but Mm -hmm. I was terrified of Until Dawn.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Terrified.
0: Yeah. Totally fair. I kind of feel the same way about this um, as someone who's very sensitive to spooks. So let's uh, take a little music break, listen to some music from the quarry, and when we'll come back, we'll get into that breakdown we we'll So in the quarry, you control a group of teenagers who are having uh, one last night at summer camp after the kids go home. Uh, yada yada yada. You need to keep them alive uh, until dawn. You know we're <laughs> yeah. gonna try to avoid making a ton of comparisons to Until Dawn, but I think it's unavoidable. Sometimes it's still the same type of thing. You're trying to figure out what's going on while also trying to keep these characters alive throughout the night as everything goes to shit and i think that this like uh summer camp it's a classic like horror movie setting right this is this is basically a movie you're playing through and making choices but i really like the summer camp and kind of the surrounding area as a setting for this game it just leads to all kinds of like really fun things that they can do um fun kind of Spaces that you can be in. You're, you know, you're inside of a camp lodge and um, you're going around where all the cabins are, where people sleep. And I really enjoyed this setting a lot.
1: I definitely liked that. It definitely added to the ambiance of a horror game.
0: Mm -hmm. You're in the
1: woods. Nothing, everything's scarier in the woods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I really liked what this was about, setting wise as well.
0: Yeah. Did you go to summer camp or something when you were a kid?
1: I was pretty fortunate. I had one f- parent home, so I didn't go out to summer camp okay. like most kids, but I can only imagine the campfire stories campers would tell. Were you uh-huh. one of those?
0: Yeah, I I went to Boy Scout camp um, at least two times, I want to say, when I was a kid. So there were definitely those stories. Like in the game, there's one of the counselors who's telling a, a scary story and really freaks the kids out. And that definitely happened to me. And so like you know, the place where I went, it wasn't, you know, this big body of water like the quarry, but um, it was similar enough where I can put kind of my memories from that into like the setting of this game. And again, like there's all kinds of slasher movies about summer camps and stuff like that too. So it's, it's really like a pretty natural setting. I enjoyed it. So the kind of top down story as you're trying to figure out what's going on. Obviously, we're not going to spoil what's happening in the game. But did you enjoy that process of like learning about what's going on?
1: Yeah, like I said, I thought that this is more so a mystery game. So every time they showed something, I was thinking, okay, so how does this relate to how this happened? And it kind of, I think maybe around the halfway point, it kind of tells you why things are going on, but mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of knew earlier than that, so I don't know if you felt that way too.
0: Yeah, it's it's a pretty common like point of criticism for this game's story is that they do show their hand pretty early on, but instead of having one giant thing that you're uncovering and then at the end of the game, you're suddenly like, oh, that's what's going on. This one kind of shows you pretty early what's happening, but there are a bunch of small mysteries and character relationships and things like that, that they slowly like tease you with. And I, like I spent most of this game still like, okay, I know the big thing, but I don't know these five smaller things. And then figuring those out as you go was just as fun as, you know, another comparison to until dawn figuring out what the hell was going on in that game. Which is something that, like, you don't know until 70% through the game, like what's happening in that game. Yeah. Not the way, not that way in the quarry.
1: No, not at all.
0: You mentioned the characters earlier. I think the characters in the quarry are a lot more likable this time around. Like, you mentioned the stereotypes in Until Dawn. You had, like, this guy's the jock character. This is the bitchy girl. This is the cheerleader girl. And. In The Quarry, they're a lot more nuanced and rounded. Like there's still, um, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Brenda Song's character is still like very assertive and stuff like that. But she's not just like a bitch to everybody yeah. like Emily was in Until Dawn. It's, they're a lot more rounded. And before I say what I think, like, y- did you enjoy these characters and how this kind of like having them be more likable makes you feel as you go through this game, trying to keep them alive?
1: Yeah, I think the characters were more likable because they felt more unique and true to who they were. They didn't Mm -hmm. feel like a copy and paste of a stereotype, like we said. But I loved Dylan. Might be because I'm gay, (laughs) but I love him. Uh And so he was my favorite, and I wanted to protect him at all costs. I also loved Mm -hmm. Laura a lot. And some people really didn't like her, but I could not relate to that. The only character I didn't really care for was Nick.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Fair enough. (laughs) So I was thinking about this earlier today. And if you ask me how many characters in Until Dawn that I really liked, I would say maybe two, three, maybe. And I think I like most of this cast. There's like at least 15 characters and I think they're all pretty good, pretty likable. However, one thing that I liked about until dawn was because the characters were such pieces of shit when they died, it was more fun. Right? So like in my opinion, when a certain character died in until dawn, I was like, Oh, okay, that's fun. They died in this cool way. I didn't care about them that much in the quarry. When something bad happens to one of these characters, I, got that instinct back a little bit to be like, oh, uh, I wonder if I could, and the quarry does give you like a rewind option after you beat the game one time. But I did get that thing where it's like, oh, did I make the wrong choice? Like, uh, that doesn't feel great. Whereas in until dawn, I was like, this is fun. I don't give a shit. I hate all these people. If they die, no problem. But did you have that in this game too? Or were you just having a good time the whole way?
1: I'm here for the ride on the first, the first playthrough. I like right. to go in, ride or die. When they saw the rewind button for my second playthrough, I said, "Turn that off. We gotta no, no, no. We we have to live <laughs> and die by what happens. And if I don't yeah. get my the canon ending that I want, I'll try again. I won't mm-hmm. do that because I I understand why people would like that feature, but I'm I gotta play it my natural way.
0: Yeah, that's definitely how I played it too. I just didn't have that like. You know, fun slasher movie feeling when a character died in this one because I liked all of them. It's a weird thing. You have more likable characters. That seems like it would be a total positive, but I actually liked how having a piece of shit character in until dawn die was kind of fun. And it didn't feel so fun in this way. But I still didn't like. If I play it again, I'm not going to use that rewind. That feels like if you're achievement hunting, basically use that rewind so that you can keep everyone alive and get the the trophy for it or something. I think this game looks really good. That's the next thing about like the kind of cinematic like approach to it. Obviously, it's been a long time since Until Dawn and the Dark Pictures games are a little bit lower budget than this game is. This game looks like incredible. Like one of the first scenes um, at the camp is like this late afternoon. You're walking through the forest. There's like this light coming down through the trees and I, th- I think I like took screenshots and scared it or shared it around because I was like, "Fuck, this is beautiful! Like this looks incredible."
1: I was very happy with how I. First of all, I wish this game had photo mode. I'm a big photo mode snob, mm-hmm. and. What I like to do in video games is if there's a puddle on the ground or if there's something wet, I will walk through it and then do circles around it. If you've seen our recent stray TikToks and YouTube shorts, I just (laughs) knock paint over and make paw prints Uh everywhere. So the fact that you could see their footprints and stuff, I love that kind of stuff. The attention to detail, I'm really into. So when the sun was setting, I was like, this is so beautiful. I know things are going to go bad, but right now, it's okay.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And like later on at night, you get in lots of situations where the moon is shining brightly and you have all these, you know, the same kind of lighting, but it's moonlight in the forest or out on the surface of the water or something like that. And this game just never stops looking great. Really enjoyed it. Um, The motion capture is way better than it was uh, in Until Dawn. I had some big uncanny valley with like Rami Malek's character in that game especially but with um I forget the name of the the psychologist in that game the therapist uh, but his mouth was super weird in that game and I didn't have a whole lot of that in this game it, it's just it's just a big step up
1: yeah my biggest pet peeve is when the voice and the mouth movements don't match up mm-hmm. I'm like what are you even doing <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just a really good looking game, um, and it's good because there's some well known actors uh, in this game. Um, I mentioned Brenda Song before, which is someone who I I gather is famous. I'd never heard of her before this.
1: Hold on, time out, time <laughs> okay. time out. You never sure. watched Sweet Life of Zach and Cody as a child?
0: No, I think I was a child uh, before the Sweet Life of, of Zach and Cody. Yeah, you don't
1: have, do you have siblings?
0: Well, yeah, but not that young. Mm. Yeah. So,
1: we all know her as London Tipton, and okay. <laughs> we called her London Tipton. My neighbor is not a <laughs> choice based game person, so mm-hmm. she, because she struggles with making choices. So, we have this tradition with these scary games where she would come over to my house and we'll talk out like the choices. So, mm-hmm. we did that, and she's like, You gotta protect London Tipton. And I was like, I'm <laughs> trying.
0: Well, fair enough. I mean, if I'm on the outside of not knowing who Brenda Song is, that's cool. It wouldn't be the first time. I'm especially bad with actors and actresses because uh, I just don't watch a lot of TV or movies. A um, couple people I do recognize, though, David Arquette uh, plays the camp counselor in this game or like the the camp um, owner, the owner of the camp. Uh, he's really good. And this game has my personal favorite uh, random dude to suddenly show up and stuff. Uh, Ethan Supley who, if you don't know that name, he was in Remember the Titans. He was Lou Elastic. He was in My Name is Earl. He was in Mallrats. He's the dude staring at the the schooner optical illusion thing. I love that dude. So when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Okay. You see where he is.
1: So what character is that? <gasps> Bobby! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know, like, all the character names.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I forgot his name and I cut out that part earlier because it's a spoiler who he is. You got to find him for yourself, people. But I was very happy to see him uh, because um, I I love I grew up watching Remember the Titans. I've seen that movie a 100 times. So anytime I see that dude, good times. All the actors are really good in this game, though. Like I enjoyed pretty much everyone's performances. And when I sat down today to write down like a couple of standouts, suddenly I had a list of 10 characters and 10 actors who I thought did a great job. Um, so I'll just give a couple, uh, the sheriff is so good. I love that dude. You'll see him in, in like the prologue of the game. Um, the sheriff, the fortune teller who you meet between chapters is so fucking creepy. I love her.
1: I love her.
0: She's so good. And again, it's that, that facial capture, uh, the, the kind of high def, um, kind of textures, skin textures and stuff like that. She's so creepy and so good. Did you have any characters that you thought were, or actors or performances that you thought were really standout?
1: I love Dylan. I just love that man. Yeah, that's right, Dylan. (laughs) I love him so much. He was my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, I just enjoyed how the characters interacted with each other. It kind of Mm -hmm. really felt like a summer camp in a way that you know everyone's there to for a job and you don't really have like the same interests but you're in this situation and over time you learn how to interact with each other and
0: mm-hmm.
1: your environment really brings you together and i felt like they really showed that because you can tell some of these characters wouldn't be hanging out with each other had right. they been at school
0: Right there's a definite camaraderie that only comes when you spend the entire summer with only this group of like eight other people, right? So I definitely agree. You definitely got that feeling that they didn't fit the same kind of like social groups all the time, but they definitely know each other and they treat each other like that. So you mentioned earlier that you didn't think that this game was super scary. And so. This is a horror game. It's meant to be at least a little bit scary, right? What about this game do you think made it kind of more of a spooky mystery than a straight up horror game?
1: It felt like more of a mystery game to me. Like, why are these things happening? What's in the woods? What do we need to be doing? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's not the cheap jump scares, which usually always get me, but- I think it's hard for this environment for it to be super scary without being like super gory. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like gore for me is what's really scary. And there's not a whole lot of gore in this game.
0: There are some spots that are super fucking gory. And some of the character deaths I imagine can be really gory too. But it's not all time gore. It's not gore all the time. And I even think that some of the things I'm talking about are... Based on choices that you make, you might not even see them. So once we get to spoiler time, I'm curious to because I have a couple things like, oh, huh, did Liv not see this happen? So once we get there, I'm gonna see if our experience was super different uh, in that way. But I agree, not a whole lot of jump scares. Um, I fucking hate jump scares. I think that they are, I just, I mean, I know that they have their place, right? Build up tension and then release it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't like it, and so. Whenever I play a horror game that establishes this tense atmosphere and this mystery and stuff without just having things jumping at the screen all the time, it gets so much more respect from me. And this game, I I can't even really think of, I'm sure there were a couple of jump scares. Yeah, there were a couple, uh, even one in the prologue, but it's not something that this game relies on. And I think you're right. Like, I think that this game is trying to get you thinking about the mystery and what's going on. And being tense about trying to keep your characters alive, but not trying to just scare the shit out of you. Like I remember in the Until Dawn, uh, like the making of Until Dawn, they would have people play test it with like a heartbeat monitor to like make sure that they were scared enough. And I don't feel like that was a point of emphasis here.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't know that, but (laughs) I was really afraid of the mystery entity within Until Dawn. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Probably because it was really ugly. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's all I'll say. But (laughs) I just felt like I didn't have that fear of what was on the other side in the quarry. I think I Uh wanted to know more. Yeah. I felt more intrigued.
0: There's a more kind of human mystery going on here, too. Like, don't get me wrong. There's there's something bad out there. But there is definitely more of a focus on human relationships and human mysteries and things like that in the quarry compared to until dawn and a lot of horror games where there are bad things out there right
1: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah
0: so in a in i said until dawn in the quarry you are making a bunch of choices and you've mentioned this uh throughout the episode Uh, The developers say that there are 168 possible endings um, with many combinations of who survives and who dies. I am kind of curious when we get to the spoiler section to get your experience because I have only talked to a couple other people about their full experience. Um, I finished this game with most of the main cast alive. I think only one of them died and it felt very easy to keep them alive. And I don't know if I just make the best choices or if that's the way it goes. Um, Can you confirm or deny without spoiling?
1: I had most of the cast alive. And when I tell you how said people died later, feel free to laugh at me.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Um, So the choices in the game are uh, sometimes picking dialogue options uh, based on like, You're having a conversation and it'll just say, hey, say this or say this and see what happens. And a lot of those dialogue options are pretty harmless. Some of them are important and the game never really tells you what's the important one and what's the harmless one. Like early in the game, there's a choice where it's like, talk to this guy or listen to a podcast. And it doesn't really matter what you do, I don't think. I picked listen to a podcast because, well podcasters right so (laughs) i think that's a really good thing though like i went through the entire game sometimes i knew that like oh this is an important choice like i better not fuck this up but sometimes i made what seemed like a harmless choice that turned into an important one whether it was a good thing that i chose or not did that happen for you too that same feeling
1: yeah sometimes you'll make A choice, and you don't really understand the ramifications of it until maybe a few hours later. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. ah, okay.
0: And this game tells you, it actually tells you, I think, in a message, sometimes you'll get a choice of like do this or do that or do nothing. And sometimes doing nothing is the correct choice. And that is so, it bugs me, but I love it. Like, I love the fact that doing nothing is sometimes the right thing to do, but it doesn't seem like it should be like you're playing a video game. You should be choosing a or B right. But a lot of times, if you just sit back and watch things will work out better. Not all the time though. Like you, you shouldn't always pick that. And I love the fact that they added that in as like a, a third choice that a lot of the time it's there.
1: Yes, and it's also really funny, too, when you say nothing or do nothing in times where you very obviously should do something, <laughs> and I've done a couple of those, because I'm a big fan of these choice-based mm-hmm. games, so you could create some really awkward moments by choosing to <laughs> say or do nothing, and it's hilarious. But yeah, uh, you should make a choice most of the time, unless you're doing a meme yeah. run.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes like it would be fun to play through this game and always pick what would make things awkward or what would make things more difficult for everybody. Like on a replay, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The game does give you this thing in the menu called, uh, I think it's called the path you've chosen. I didn't look this. Actually, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. Um, and I sold the game, so I couldn't look in the game anymore, but it's a menu screen where it shows you the choices you've made in the past and how it kind of impacts what's going on. Now you, don't get any clue about this like before or during the choice. It's only after, like maybe even after you move on to the next chapter or something like that. And I don't know why, but I really liked going back and looking through these. They don't give you like a ton of information about like what was the right choice or not, but it let you know what was the important choices that you made before. And there were a lot in there where I was like, oh, I had no idea that that was important. Like that's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like the branching pathways that a lot of the choice based games have so what I particularly liked about this one was it was kind of like a flipbook for the narrative arc for like oh these three characters are usually grouped together so here's their narrative arc and how x y and z led to the three of them doing this
0: mm-hmm. and
1: there's games with very large branching stories where you could click through in it even though you've even if you played it like a second or third time it will show your other choices and you can unlock it like Detroit Become Human and I mm-hmm. really enjoy stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoy looking through this um if just to see like oh hey that seemingly harmless thing I did 3 chapters ago turns out that was important. It's it's very cool how they do that. This game has a ton of cutscenes. It's like I said it's basically an interactive movie where sometimes you get to walk around and do stuff a lot of times you're making choices and just watching cutscenes. So cutscene heavy, in fact, that there is a movie mode in the main menu. Um, and the developers got a lot of feedback from the previous games that people who don't play video games liked to watch other people play this. So they just put this in the game. They're like, hey, just watch all the cutscenes with this predetermined set of choices and enjoy this as a <laughs> like seven hour movie. I don't know how long this is, but enjoy this as like, you know, a Netflix series basically. And I think that's pretty cool. I'm not going to do it, but I know that there are people out there who would.
1: Yeah. There's a trophy for movie mode and I kind of <laughs> want it. So I've been thinking, I work from home. So I've been thinking about <laughs> how I could just toggle it. I don't, I haven't experimented with it yet, but from my understanding, you can do like randomize or you could pre-select things that can happen. So quickest Mm -hmm. way to do it, kill them all. So that's probably (laughs) what I'll do when I have a slow day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or you could just put it on in the background instead of like, you know, a TV show or something like, like when I do work from home, I will put on ESPN or something in the background. It's just on, I'll look over and I'll see Stephen A. Smith yelling about something and I'll be like, oh yes, that's what he does. But you could just throw on the Quarry movie mode and stuff like that
1: better content.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Much better than uh, watching Skip Bayless for sure. (laughs) Yeah. There's another mode that I think is really cool. Uh, Again, developers got feedback that these games are fun to watch. And so they added in this thing called Wolfpack mode, which is uh, a thing where you create a private game lobby and you play the game and the people watching can vote on the choices that you make. And I know they're having trouble with this a while ago, like streamers were having trouble integrating this, but may have gotten fixed by now. I don't stream, so I didn't research any further. But this is another really cool thing where if you have a group of people over at the house and you want to have them vote, you can do that. Or if you have, let's say you're streaming in a discord server, people watching can vote on what the choices are. And if you don't really care about the outcome. You just want to have a good time. That seems like a really fun inclusion. Again, all based on fan feedback from how people liked to experience, if not play, the previous games.
1: Yeah, that's a good feature. I used to stream, which I haven't streamed in months, but I know that people really enjoy that feature. For Mm -hmm. I know a ton of games have Twitch integrations now. So, I mean, it's a seamless fit with this game.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. So We've talked a lot about what it's like to watch the quarry and what the story is like, but what is it actually like to play the quarry? So the first thing I wrote down is this game has a very fun little tutorial system teaching you how to do the gameplay things in the game, the little educational like Cub Scout type videos with super funny animations and cute ways for the little characters to die and stuff like that. I... Consistently thought these were funny. Like, even though they're explaining things, like I don't need to watch a tutorial to learn how to do QTEs, but I enjoyed watching these. They're pretty entertaining.
1: I loved them.
0: <laughs> they're good.
1: I loved them. I didn't need to learn anything about the game. I've played every one of these choice games, but I was like, got to watch the cartoon.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's got a good a good voice actor as like the kind of camp counselor voice explaining how to survive at Hackett's Quarry. And yeah, funny, good animations, good times. Uh, I mentioned QTEs. This is um, a game that has a lot of QTEs. Sometimes uh, failing them will get characters killed. Uh, I thought this game has, for as serious as the consequences are, I thought these QTEs were really easy. And you can make them easier. There's an option in the menu to like Instead of having to press X, you can press any button or something like Or instead of like needing to push the control stick up and press a button, it's just literally press anything during this timing window, you'll be fine. So that's a good inclusion. I know QTEs are not good uh, for everybody. I thought these were real easy. If we want to make the comparison to Until Dawn, way easier than the QTEs in Until Dawn. Yeah,
1: these were very forgiving.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of scenes where you're like, I don't know, maybe you're being chased and you're running through the woods and you have to hit QTEs to not trip over shit on the ground. And in Until Dawn, it was like over, like QTE, QTE, like repeatedly, like different buttons. They're putting them all over the screen in different places, like pretty easy to miss one. And this, I mean, I know I missed some throughout the game, but I never missed any that were important. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. being coy about something for later in the spoiler section maybe (laughs) okay fair enough um until dawn was famous for these special qtes called don't move qtes where you had to put the controller or what i did put the controller down on the table but you're supposed to hold it still without moving it because they have motion sensors right yeah
1: that's a good thing to do if you played it so you know because Mm -hmm. by the time you got to put that down before Because if you do it in motion, you're dead.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, I had a couple of real frustrating ones in Until Dawn where I was like, I I did not move. I promise you, I did not move. And I still lost. But those are not the case in the quarry. The quarry has replaced the don't move the controller QTEs with hold down X to hold your breath and wait until the coast is clear to uh, release it. Basically, and if you fail it, something bad may or may not happen. I went half the game without knowing how these worked because I skipped the tutorial because I was like, I know how these work, but (laughs) they changed it. None of the characters died because of it, though later on in the game, there were several where I was like, oh yeah, this is they're gonna die if I miss this, but they're super easy.
1: Now, question for you Did you ever hold it outside of it? Were you worried that they might come back, or once you were in the clear, you let go?
0: Now, once, once, because it it shows a red border on the screen when you're in danger, and when that red thing goes away, just let it go, and you're fine. Yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But.
1: But if you hold it for too long, they'll come back. So then you will be low on the breath. So you could, because you're like, ooh, I don't want to let go too early. They might come back as soon as I do it. Mm -hmm. You're actually, because you were extra cautious- You could put yourself in a precarious situation, did find that out for fun.
0: Definitely. I, yeah, didn't have any trouble with these. And while I was a little bit frustrated by the don't move the controller QTEs, I think these are too easy to establish any kind of tension once you know how they work.
1: Yeah, I'd agree.
0: There are a lot of sections in the game where you're walking around uh, looking for stuff. It has the kind of survival horror type fixed cameras in a lot of them. A lot of them, you're just the cameras behind your character, but not all the time. And anytime the character change or the camera moves to a weird uh, spot or weird angle, that always gives me a little bit of like, what do they not want me to see here? You know? So uh, you're walking around looking for stuff, um, just like the previous games, there are collectibles to find. There are these tarot cards that you can find that work similar to the totems in Until Dawn. They'll give you a tiny, cannot emphasize enough, tiny little snapshot of something that might happen to a character later based on your choices. And I think they're supposed to be somewhat helpful, like they're too short to give you like a full scene. but There were a couple of them that were very obvious. And then it was like, oh, this character is getting on a zipline and they fall and die. And I see that in this one second little clip they show you. Then later on, a character gets on a zipline and I'm like, oh, pay attention. Something bad might happen. So that does happen sometimes.
1: Yeah. Once you experience the moment, you're like, oh, that's the warning.
0: Yeah. Other times, though, they'll show you like a little cutscene, and it's literally it's like It's like a one second clip of people on fire. And you're like, that doesn't help me. Fire could happen anytime, right? So a lot of them are less than helpful, but um, they're still really fun because then you get to talk to the fortune teller lady between chapters. And like I said earlier, she's the best.
1: I loved her so
0: much. (laughs) So you said you were collectible hunting when you walked around. You can pick up like lore notes and stuff like that. Little clues around that might, they they're not going to like tell you what's really happening but they're little pieces of the puzzle and i bet if you collect enough of them that there's probably some foreshadowing in that stuff
1: yes yeah. um yeah i could tell you more about what the collectibles mean in the larger picture but not right now
0: not right now right of course well i thought these these sections were really tense uh because i was never sure of Which collectible is going to be a little newspaper clipping or which like, you know, shining thing on the screen is going to be a newspaper clipping that tells me something that happened 30 years ago, or which one is going to be the thing I interact with. And then suddenly something's going to jump through a window at me. So I always had that tension of like, I, I want to explore around. I also am very worried about what's going to trigger like something happening, you know,
1: Yeah, because sometimes you'll click on something and it's a narrative point to push on the story.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what pissed me off about these collectibles though? What's that? You had to pick them all up twice if you wanted to read the collectible. So you picked it Uh, up and it would give you like the the picture of it.
0: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then
1: you have to put it down, pick it back up and then the text would spawn. Who thought of that?
0: (laughs) Weird. I always picked them up saw the picture, and then went into the menu to read the thing, which is- a, They give you a still little description. Doing, yeah, we're but still doing one text. step too many. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's not the full text. Oh, it irritated me.
0: Shit. So did I just go through the whole game without reading the whole text? I think I did.
1: So if you picked up like a newspaper, did you read yeah. the whole newspaper? Or did you just have this like one paragraph is like, this is a newspaper clipping from blah, blah, blah.
0: Oh, no, I think I saw some full text. Okay. But definitely not for everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's okay. more to it, and it pissed off. That is my one, like, what are you doing?
0: So you said you were collecting, like, driven by getting um, the Platinum Trophy or whatever. I, did you play on PS5 or somewhere yes, else? Yes, I did. Okay. So you're trying to get the Platinum in this game, right?
1: I... Would have liked to do that, but a lot of the trophies are choice dependent. So I think mm-hmm. you have to play the game a significant amount, but <laughs> I went around and found every single collectible and the tarot cards and stuff like that.
0: Okay. Did you enjoy reading that stuff?
1: I love lore. Just let me read and click on everything. If okay. anything is shiny, I clicked on it. mm mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I clicked on it too. Maybe now that you're talking to me and telling me that like, hey, Dave, maybe you didn't actually read the articles. Maybe you just read the little snippet in the menu. I wrote down here that I thought they were less interesting than I would have liked. But it turns out that I might not have seen the whole thing, which kind of sucks. It should just pull it up when you pick up the item, pull up the whole thing and let you close out of it if you don't want to read it.
1: Yes, I completely (laughs) agree.
0: Yeah. Do you know how many tarot cards there are?
1: Definitely more than 10. Want to say yeah. less than 20.
0: Okay. I think I got maybe a third of them, less than half, probably. Uh, there were several chapters where I would not find any. And if you go into the fortune, te- the fortune teller's uh, little thing between uh, chapters, she'll like kind of rip on you. She'll be like, bro, you didn't bring me anything. I can't help you. Like, Bring me some shit. Like what's wrong with you?
1: I think I've gotten pretty good at finding collectibles from the mm-hmm. types of games that I play. So yeah. last week I just recently finished Stray and I missed four mm-hmm. collectibles in the entire game and I was like, oh! Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> I, didn't I think twenty seven, but I missed four and I was angry. Damn.
0: Yeah. I I mean, if I saw one, I picked it up. For sure. And I felt like I did a decent job of exploring, but also I was kind of scared. So I didn't, I'm not poking around everywhere. There were a couple places where it's like, where I, now that we're talking about it, it's like, do you want to open this door? And my answer is usually no, I don't want to open that door or something bad's back there, but it might've just been a tarot card or something like that.
1: Yeah. A lot of the collectibles for, I believe they call it clues or evidence. I can't recall which it is. But those are choice dependent as well, or mm. reaction dependent, like QTEs failing or succeeding could add or remove collectibles from being found.
0: I see. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into some final thoughts about the quarry. I think we've done a good job of kind of talking about everything except for the most fun stuff, which is how people die or how people survive. So, like to end the non-spoiler parts with a just kind of like, who would you recommend the quarry to?
1: If you like to be in control of your own destiny, if you want to know, <laughs> if you want to play God, you have at it. You want to ruin lives, do it. You want to make everyone really happy, do it. But you got to be okay with a little bit of spook. So if you like games like that, I would say it's for you.
0: Hmm. Even someone like me who doesn't like being scared. Like I know a lot of people like horror games because they like that thrill of being scared. I don't. So like the horror games that I really like are some of the ones that are the least scary. Like this game's not super scary. I really like this game. Resident Evil 4, not a scary game. I fucking loved that game. It's just kind of the way it is. So if you really hate being in the woods at night, this might not be a great game. You spend a lot of time out in the woods at night. Uh, But I do agree. Like, if you like these choice-based games, if you like to even, like Liv said, get a little bit weird with it and just like, you know, choose the wrong answer and get everybody killed or try to keep everybody alive or any combination in the middle, I think you'll have a good time. I enjoyed kind of unraveling the mystery in this game. Um, I think it's fun. And again, not super long, which like, you and I, we play a lot of video games. Make podcasts about video games. Whenever someone recommends a game, and it's like, "Oh, this game's eight hours long," I'm like, "Okay, I'm way more likely to play that now."
1: Yeah, <laughs> your podcast is called "Tales from the Backlog," so, yeah, so
0: I, got a, I got a lot of games to get through. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty easy recommendation uh, for me. The only reason I would not recommend it is if you just really don't like the woods or something like that. If Other you're looking than that,
1: for a shooter game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. If you if you want something with a lot of action and gameplay depth and stuff like this, this is not the game for you. This is a cinematic choose your own adventure type thing. But of those, which I've only played a handful, um, I like this uh quite a bit. I like this more than Detroit. This is there's Things about Until Dawn, I like more than this. And things about The Quarry, I like more than Until Dawn. I think they're both pretty damn good. So not a very difficult recommendation. Uh, so a little housekeeping before we go into Spoiler Town. First things first, Liv, where can people find Between Two Gamers?
1: Between Two Gamers is on all podcasting platforms. If you want to see our very beautiful faces, it's usually me saying something crazy and fruity, shaking his head no and disapproval. <laughs> Check out our YouTube channel. We're also Mm -hmm. on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Between Two Gamers. We do trivia segments. Sometimes we share gameplay. You never know what you're going to get any day of the week.
0: Mm -hmm. And I will put links down to uh, social media, YouTube, and stuff like that down in the show notes so people can easily find it. And again, if you're listening to this and you're an indie video games podcaster and you'd like to be in a Discord server with... Like 200 other indie video games podcasters talking shop and talking about games and stuff like that. Getting feedback from other people is really valuable, something that people do for each other in the server. Uh, again, recommendation for the Co op uh, Podcast Network Discord server, which, uh, if it's okay with you, Liv, I'll put an invite down there, or you want me to go hunt people out?
1: Yeah, you can put the invite at the bottom.
0: Okay. I All appreciate right. cool. you
1: spreading the word. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's become a really, really nice community. Everyone is super cool, very supportive. It's just one of the best things about doing a podcast that I never expected is that other podcasters would be so fucking cool and welcoming. Yeah. Uh, for Tales from the Backlog, normal podcast stuff. So tell a friend that you uh, found a podcast that you enjoy. Um, if you uh, would like to support further, consider uh, supporting on Patreon, joining the Tales from the Backlog Discord server where people will probably be talking about their experiences with the quarry. Yeah, I I would like to hear even more because, like I said, there's like 170 endings in this game. Leave a uh, rating and review if your podcast platform allows it, if you've enjoyed the show, and consider listening to a top three podcast, which is my other show, doing top three lists. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, it's spoiler time for the quarry to the moon and let me play among the stars let me know what spring is like on
1: jupiter and mars in other words
0: hold my hand in other words darling kiss me all right liv and i are back and it's time for the fun part Liv, what the fuck is up with that police officer in the prologue? That was what that was the first thing when I started. I was like, I didn't recognize that guy. Apparently he is Sam Raimi's brother. The guy who directed like the Spider-Man movies and stuff like that. It's his brother. I didn't recognize him. He fucking kills it in the prologue. He's so creepy.
1: Yeah, he is really creepy. I initially thought that he couldn't be the main antagonist because they would be showing it way too early. So I knew that maybe not new is the right word, but I had a suspicion that he was going to be the one that you pin it on, but it's not this guy's fault, but they really want you to think early on, Oh, there's something up with this guy and they did a great job of (laughs) making him as creepy as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, Maybe I didn't think that this guy would be the main antagonist, but I definitely thought he would be part of the antagonizing force. When it turns out, he's actually a really solid dude. He's trying to help you. He's just the creepiest dude ever. You know, go to the Harbinger (laughs) Motel. (laughs) This
1: isn't the goddamn Harbinger Motel. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: know. Yeah, I love that scene so much does this look like the goddamn Harbinger Motel to you? And I was like, oh, that's this guy. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with this guy, but he's killing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he couldn't be honest with what was going on anyway, you know? Like he was, yeah. he doesn't know how to talk to people, clearly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> clearly. And it doesn't help that the name of the hotel is the Harbinger Motel. It could not be like any more, you know, bad vibes just based on a name than that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: This is where the first jump scare is when that lady's out in the woods and I got real worried like in the beginning because uh, she like pops up and whispers in uh Laura's ear, right, when she's walking around. Silas. Yeah. <laughs> so I got worried that this was going to be like a jump scare game, but it turns out she's pretty much the only source of jump scares throughout the entire game.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I I love her.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's great and yeah, I just kind of wrote down in my notes like kids are making the worst horror movie mistakes ten minutes into the game. So they drive to the the uh, the camp. They see a locked cellar door, and they're like, "Well, let me go check out what's down there. Nothing bad can happen down there." And Someone I was like, oh, "Here we go. Yeah, they might be hurt, Max."
1: Yeah, sure, sure, Laura. <laughs> but one thing I did like about the prologue right off the bat was the banter between the two characters. And that yeah. got me really interested mm-hmm. because I didn't really want to play another game where I was just here to make choices and the characters were like, blah. But that was something I was really into right off the bat.
0: Yeah, it's a sign of quality. Characters and dialogue to come, um, Laura and Max in the car is real good. And then, you know, when, uh, when the sheriff comes in, it's, you know, just gets taken up a notch. I loved it. So, um, chapter one, the, you meet the real, not the real crew, but the main crew, the counselors. And again, just like until dawn, the inciting event of the game is, Characters make the most selfish and horrible fucking decision ever to sabotage the car so they can't drive home.
1: This is what happens when you want more than you can handle. Mm -hmm. Throwback to my little snippet (laughs) for that. He he ruined, Jacob ruins the whole, he he ruins everything because he just wants to- be with Emma who doesn't want to be with him anymore because it was a summertime fling. So he thinks, oh, we'll just, you know, sabotage the car. Gotta leave tomorrow morning. I'll make her love me. Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) I have 10 hours to make her fall in love with me. I can do that. Yeah. Um, you have a choice here and I actually looked it up. This does kind of influence some stuff later on in the game. You can, I believe you can cut the fuel line or you can take out like a motor, rotor arm, or something. I don't know shit about cars. And Me neither. It's a little, but cap a little plastic thing. piece. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you do?
1: I took the cap because yeah. I thought I'd have a better chance of. I had a feeling that we were going to need the car to get out. So, I was thinking, mm-hmm. okay, if I could just hold on to this piece of plastic, we can leave. But cutting something, like that is going to be much harder to
0: fix. <laughs> That is exactly what I thought. And it's it's the exact choice that I made too. Yeah. So the characters are bantering, getting ready. Suddenly we find out the car doesn't work. And uh, Chris Hackett, who's David Arquette's character, kind of like the manager boss man at the camp, finds out that they can't leave that night. And he freaks the fuck out. And this was the first kind of like... Because I thought that the... I thought Laura and Max were dead after the prologue. Like, I did not expect them to come back. Yeah. So this was, like, the first time where I was like, what is happening here? Why is he so freaked out that they can't leave the camp tonight?
1: Yeah, I was kind of wondering what his angle was, too. And I just, he just abandons them. Yeah. <laughs> Which was so funny to me. Mm-hmm
0: which now now that we know why it makes total sense why he wouldn't want to be anywhere near them but at the time i was like okay so what you're going to do is you're just going to leave and leave them here for like what whatever it is that you're so scared about you're going to leave but you're going to make them stay here obviously it it makes total sense in retrospect i think chapter 1 does a great job of setting up what's happening while leaving you totally confused about what's going on
1: yeah I would agree.
0: And chapter one, the end of chapter one is also when you see uh, the hunters uh, who Ethan supley, who I talked about earlier, the big guy and then the old man fucking smearing themselves with blood, put pounding down a sign in the, in the ground that says hunting season. And I was like, first of all, why are they covered in blood? But okay. So they're going to try and kill the, is this is some weird, like, you know, uh, most dangerous game type shit going on here.
1: I was going to ask you, did you watch the reveal trailer or story trailer for this before playing? No. Okay, I did. And I thought this game was going to be about cannibals because they showed them okay. hunting and putting the sign down and there's the camp counselors. And I, so going into this game, I totally thought I was going to be playing a game about cannibals. Hmm. Not what we got. Yeah. (laughs) So that was really a plot twist for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the end of chapter one gives you two of these like big things where you're like, what the hell is going on here? Chris freaks out that the kids can't leave the camp. And then like two minutes later, you got these dudes painting themselves with blood in its hunting season. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Like at this point, I was like, all right, the mystery's on. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. I, I was into this game pretty early. I it hooked me.
0: So chapter two, um, Abby, I didn't talk about her. I love Abby. She's a great I love kind of the understated characters in this game. Like, Dylan and Nick were kind of like, all right, so they're like the the jokester dudes. But Ryan and Abby were the two at the beginning of the game where I was like, "These two are cool. I like them. I like they're chill." You know. So Abby and Nick uh, get attacked by a monster out in the um, the forest, and this was another time where I was like, "Hold, this is this is really different because they showed the monster really early in this game."
1: Yeah, yeah, they did. What about your truth or dare? Who did? Oh. Who'd you dare Brian to kiss? Was it Caitlin or Dylan? Very important. Was, this this choice has ramifications you wouldn't believe.
0: I know it does. Um, I had him kiss Caitlin.
1: Ah, what if Dylan? Dylan, wants love?
0: <laughs> I know, I know he does. I've done but, both,
1: so it's fine.
0: <laughs> okay, and so like the that affects like something later on in the game, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it doesn't. I thought it did.
1: Um, If you kiss Caitlin, it says Dylan is sad or disappointed.
0: (laughs) Okay. But he
1: still tries to flirt with Ryan like the whole
0: time. And then, if you kiss Dylan, does it give a message that says Caitlyn doesn't give a shit or something like that?
1: No, she just she's like she doesn't care anyway. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah only that's what I figured. My baby Dylan, my baby. So yes, they, um <laughs> Abby and Nick get attacked.
0: <laughs> yeah, they get attacked. They show the monsters uh, real early, and uh, we get again those hunter dudes already shaking up like what I thought was going on. So they're hunting the monsters, not the counselors. But I spent. An entire chapter thinking about, like, oh, they have these fucking, you know, deliverance weirdos living out in the woods hunting them. That's what this game is. But nope, monsters, werewolves.
1: My neighbor knew it was werewolves pretty early on. And I was like, aren't they supposed to be like furry, like in like dog like? Yeah. So I that wasn't sold, I wasn't sold on the werewolf thing yet. But it is werewolves, as we know. But she got in on that really early. She's like, the moon's really big. They're chasing. They're hunting them in the woods. I was like, and? And what? The moon's mm-hmm. big? She yeah. was right the whole time. I was making fun of her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I thought it was weird that like the werewolves in this game burst out of their skin.
1: <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> that was the best part
0: <laughs> i mean like, it's it's cool like i think it i think it's cool it's gross it's gory and stuff like that
1: It was hilarious but then
0: when they turn back into their human form their skin is fine their their clothes are fine everything's cool and i was like that i i'm gonna need to see some like some studies on how this works how do they get their skin back
1: Oh my god. The first time that <laughs> happened, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, "What is happening?"
0: <laughs> it is pretty goofy, yeah. It's definitely not scary. It's it's way goofier than that.
1: Hilarious.
0: Yeah. Chapter 3 and 4, I didn't write down a whole lot of notes uh, other than in my game, um the big guy, Ethan Suppley, what's his name? Bobby. Bobby. Bobby traps Jacob in the woods and this begins Jacob's entire game length thing of just wandering around shirtless and he gets covered in blood uh Bobby covers Jacob in blood and so I just wrote down like in my notes I was like what does this do like why is he covering him in blood does this attract the monsters is he trying to help him by covering him blood what is happening
1: so you didn't throw dirt at him you let him no yeah me neither
0: I thought it would end really poorly if I tried to attack him he's Jacob's a big dude, but this guy's bigger. This guy's country strong.
1: It basically determines whether or not Jacob makes it through the night, to be honest. Like, you need that blood.
0: Really? Yeah. You need that blood. Yeah. Yeah. We find out later that that blood is actually super helpful.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's significantly easier to kill Jacob if you do not have that.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So chapter five is where shit got real in my game. So we go to like the in a broadcasting cabin and they're trying to send out a message. Dylan needs to fix the wiring. And I, I think it was a choice where I told him to like, get up there and fix it. I can't remember.
1: He ha- he offers to do it.
0: He offers so, to do it. And I was like, yeah, go ahead.
1: So his situation is dependent on whether or not in the first chapter, a choice that you don't think is really that important is whether or not you okay. break into the cabin.
0: Oh, okay. So, so I
1: that is a huge choice in the game.
0: Weird, So Very weird.
1: Did you break into the cabin?
0: Yeah. Okay. In the first chapter, when you're controlling Ryan, right, or Jacob? Abby. Can't remember. Abby. Abby.
1: Shit. So they <laughs> had their duffel bags in the cabin, and they were just gonna yeah. leave them there or whatever. And I was like, that doesn't yeah. make sense. Let's go get our duffel bags. Mm-hmm. So if you, when you go in there, oh,
0: yeah, with Abby and Emma. Yes.
1: Right. So this that that specific action has so many ramifications, it's insane. So if you don't really? open that door, then the the werewolf on the roof is distracted by that noise and Ryan will successfully have both limbs and connect the wire.
0: Weird. So if okay. you open
1: yeah, so if you open that door, it doesn't distract the creature and it bites Dylan. But you still have to interact with things in that cabin for later mm-hmm. parts. So like, if you don't pick up the teddy bear that in the cabin, I didn't use it in my game, but if shit goes down at the big sequence at the end, you could use <laughs> the bear to lure the werewolf into the freezer and lock them in the freezer.
0: That's crazy. I picked up the teddy bear, but I didn't get any opportunity to use it. Same anywhere. Yeah. So in chapter five, Uh, In your first playthrough, when you were just kind of playing it naturally, what happened in this scene? Did Dylan get bit or not?
1: He got bit because I had, I broke into the cabin, so he gets bit. Me too. And he's like, cut it off, cut it off. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay. Yeah. Good idea. So I cut it off.
0: (laughs) Me too. So poor Dylan spends, this is chapter five. He spends several more hours wandering around with a stump which is, so is he doesn't lose a whole lot of blood is he seems okay like not in a whole lot of pain throughout the game but yeah i cut his hand off too uh because <laughs> he was like cut it off and i was like all right man like you asked me i think there's a scene later where someone's like ryan what the fuck why'd you cut his hand off And he's like he asked me to and i was yeah. like yeah he asked me to i'm just trying to be a good friend
1: Yeah. And and thinking of just like apocalypse games when you get bit by zombies and stuff, it was like, you got to cut it off.
0: I I didn't have that. I thought I was like, well, he's either fucked or cutting it off is going to help. Like, I don't I didn't see any way that cutting it off would be bad unless later like Dylan needs to use a doorknob and he can't or something like that. But um, yeah, so I cut it off. There wasn't a whole lot of hesitation, but that was the first like really gory thing that I saw in the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you you cut it off or did you shoot it off?
0: I cut it off with the chainsaw. (laughs) Does shooting it off actually work?
1: You gotta shoot him twice.
0: Oh, poor Dylan,
1: (laughs) I know, my poor little baby. (laughs) I love him.
0: I I saw that choice and I was like, Ryan doesn't know a whole lot about guns. He's gonna fuck this up. You better use the chainsaw. Uh, Also, as soon as I did that, You know, I like trophies, but sometimes they give away too much. And I got a trophy pop when I cut his hand off for saving a friend from an infection. And I was like, oh, okay, so Dylan's fine now. Like that was the right choice. I like trophies. I like them. But sometimes they just give away too much.
1: Yeah, that's true. If you don't want spoilers for this game, do not look at the trophy list before you play.
0: Yeah. I never look at the trophy lists, but a lot of times when a trophy pops up, unless it's like a very obvious, like you beat chapter six, when a trophy pops up, I'll open up the description for what I did to get that trophy. And I guess I should have said it in the non-spoiler section. There's something every episode that I feel like I should have said in the non-spoiler part, but I'm saying it now. If you're listening, don't read the trophy descriptions. Just let them come up. Don't read them. Move on with the game. Yeah. So. Let's see, chapter six. Um did you like Emma? Like before we get into this, like Emma feels like the natural evolution of Emily in Until Dawn, where she's kinda like kind of bitchy sometimes, but like she's not just horrible to everyone like Emily was. Did you like her?
1: I cared about her the least. Well, no, I didn't I didn't care for Nick. Mainly because he didn't have screen time, so I was just like, eh. So yeah. Emma, like, uh, she was kind of bitchy, but I also kind of liked that she was, like, a vlogger, and I liked listening to all of her gossip the whole night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, I didn't despise her.
0: Yeah. As a character, I didn't love her, and I was like, she was probably the one where if she died, I would not have been, like, super upset about it. But I did enjoy those sections where she's doing, like, you know the the youtube videos and broadcasting as she's walking through the scary ass woods and stuff like that i did enjoy those sections in like a very horror movie type of way yeah so jacob reconnects with emma um they get separated uh you have a choice to run from the monster or hide um did you run or hide do you know
1: i hid and my first playthrough i hid
0: and did he live
1: Yes, because I also let him get the blood on his face. So, True. you don't actually, he hides in a bush that has like <laughs> no leaves on it. And I was He's, like, not We're dead. He's not very like, smart. We're guy. dead. But the werewolf <laughs> will go up to Jacob, smell him, and just walk away. If I chose to th- did not have the blood on him, that's where Jacob dies. If okay. you hide and have no blood.
0: I had a feeling that Jacob could die during this scene. Um, I chose to run. And, uh, he got stuck in a bear trap and, uh, one of the hunters, probably Bobby, the big guy comes and knocks him out. So Jacob, everyone else is having a bad night. You know, they've seen a monster. Dylan gets his hand cut off, but after Dylan gets his hand cut off, everything's fine for him for the most part.
1: Just has Jacob just keeps it.
0: having this series of like really unfortunate things happen, like throughout the entire game.
1: He deserves it.
0: He's an idiot. Yeah. He deserves it. This is all his fault. Like, let's not forget that. But he, it's just one bad thing after, like he never has a chill chapter. It's always just something bad happens to him. Yeah. So also in chapter six, they get attacked by a werewolf and the other people get attacked by a werewolf. Um, And uh, Laura comes out, Laura shoots it and it dies in the pool And I had no idea who this was. Apparently, it's uh, Mr. Hackett's daughter, uh, Kaylee, I think her name is, right? Yes. Um, And then Nick starts to uh, go crazy and try and attack um, Abby. And you have a choice whether to shoot him or not. Uh, What did you do? Did you shoot him?
1: Oh, in the pool house? Yeah. Yes, I shot him.
0: So did I. He, uh, he, He deserved it.
1: Yeah, um, that was really, like, crazy. And before the pool house where he, like, at, he's, like, trying to get all over Abby and Abby pushes him in the pool. He's, like, flopping around like a fish. That's, mm-hmm. apparently, that's another sign of werewolves. And my friend who I was playing it with just had an abundance of werewolf knowledge. And <laughs> she was like, oh, my God, he's definitely a werewolf. And I was like, because he's wet? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> they they posed it as um rabies in the uh in the game they they were like oh he's afraid of water he maybe he has rabies um but i think it's actually ryan is like no it's it's a fear of drinking water not a fear of water uh if you have rabies
1: which is scary yeah so scary
0: (laughs) yeah it is super like it rabies is horrifying i used to work um I used to be a dog catcher and so I'd have to do stuff with rabies, uh, animals that had rabies and learning about it. And like the progression of the disease is fucking terrifying. So
1: I've read about it after this game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Get your dogs vaccinated, everybody. But yeah, I shot Nick. Uh, he deserved it. Do you know what happens if you don't shoot him here?
1: Yes. What happens? Abby's dead.
0: That kills Abby. Shit.
1: Rips her head off.
0: Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I shot the fuck out of him. Like, as soon as it was like, shoot him or not, I was like, nope, we're shooting him. He's he's getting too too aggressive here. So in your first playthrough, this is the end of chapter six. Laura's back. Jacob's been captured, right? Yes. Is anyone dead at this point in your first playthrough? Not for me. Me either. Everyone's alive except for Kaylee Hackett. And I think, I think she's the only person in the game that has to die.
1: I think that could be true. I think that's true. I think I
0: looked it up and she's, cause you have no interaction with her. I was wondering if there was a choice earlier where you could not have her die, but I looked it up and I I believe she's the only one, but I think she, she is mandatory to die.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I know her dying is definitely a narrative beat. I'm pretty sure yeah. you're correct. I think that's the only death you have absolutely no control over.
0: Yeah. So by this point, We're about to start chapter seven. I'm starting to do a little like mental comparisons where I was like, at this point in the game and until dawn, I had a couple people dead and a (laughs) couple people who I thought were dead, not actually dead. But this one, everyone's still alive. And now we are playing as Laura. Uh, This goes to a flashback um, after Laura and Max did not get killed like I thought they did. They're just in these jail cells.
1: Yeah, that was kind of crazy
0: yeah i enjoyed these chapters a lot um i think laura is like the performance for laura is really good i think she's a really good character
1: yeah i loved her
0: uh max is super funny too like super likable dude i thought
1: yeah were you cooperative with the cop or not
0: yeah i was because i thought that that was going to be the only way to get out of it alive or something was to be cooperative because i was like laura's pretty smart i think she knows that being aggressive with this guy is not going to work so i was cooperative
1: i was cooperative for the most part
0: yeah for the most part
1: yeah for the most part because then sometimes it was a little shitty because i knew that well laura's alive so i could live life on the edge a little bit if i need to
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. on your second playthrough did you be more aggressive were you more defiant
1: yeah, I found myself being a little defiant, but I knew that it was good to be cooperative, so I balanced it. But I do like to see the other pathways.
0: hmm So do you know, then, like, is there a way for Laura and Max to not escape here? Like, is there a way for them to just stay trapped?
1: They have to escape because you do meet Laura in that That's previous true. chapter.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but- how you leave will impact later on if you, yeah. so how, how did you escape?
0: I escaped by stealing a syringe with like a, you know, a sedative and kind of jabbing the the sheriff. But like, I don't remember specifics, but I did do this in like the nicest way possible. Like I was still, Because at that point, I had figured out, like, I don't think the sheriff's a bad person, but I need to get out of here. So I'm not going to leave him in danger if there's any choice like that. Like, I just remember I knocked him out in, like, the nicest way possible.
1: Yes. So if you do not pick up the syringe and your only way out is grabbing his gun.
0: Right. Yeah, You could
1: shoot him, but you won't kill him. And when they meet up again, he'll kill Laura. (laughs)
0: yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah when i got the i remember when I got the option to try and steal his gun, I was like, that's not gonna end well. there's no, no way no. no no, no, so yeah, chapter seven is a really fun chapter. um I wrote down very funny that the uh county that they live in is called Northkill county. they just <laughs> they find very good names for all these places uh the harbinger motel Northkill county ridiculous yeah um so Max is turning into a werewolf. They This is the point in the game where they actually say the word werewolf uh, to talk about what's going on. Because even though he was transforming and we saw Nick transform earlier, I was still like, I don't know what that is. Werewolves are big furry things, like you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't clock this as being a werewolf until they actually said it. And I was like, oh, okay, they just they're skinless werewolves, I guess.
1: Yeah, like naked cats, but werewolves.
0: <laughs> yeah, naked cats, but a lot more bloody. I thought this was a cool situation for Laura as like a character, because I already already liked her from the prologue, but she's very like determined and like ready to get down. And like, what do I got? I got to stab this guy in the neck with a syringe. Fucking let's do it. She's She's ready to go. And she becomes like this kind of, badass character for the rest of the game yeah after being rightfully pretty scared and stuff in the prologue and i just i think she's a really good character like if if i had to pick one of the teenagers that i thought was like the best character laura might be the pick
1: yeah i really liked her character
0: yeah um and then chapter seven is when you find out that chris hackett is the main werewolf And so you get, now you have your task, which is to, to me, it was obvious to go kill Chris. I know you don't have to, but he's the main werewolf. And suddenly that clicks into place. Like, why was he freaking out earlier about the kids being stuck at the camp is because he knows he's going to turn into a werewolf and he's going to kill them. So that was really cool. And like, I thought Chris was super likable too. So when you find out that he's the one you have to go kill, I was like, oh, this is really good. This is, I like this.
1: Oh yeah, that this next sequence was really fun.
0: In chapter 8 when you're in the house. Yes. Yeah. Just walk me through what happened in that house, then.
1: Okay, so my first playthrough, they go in, they go into the basement, I suppose, where the cages are. Yeah, right. And you so have this
0: is um, this is Ryan and Laura. Correct. For people listening, yeah. yes.
1: And Ryan's one of the characters that has a lot of plot armor in this game. Him and Caitlin have a lot of plot arm- armor, so. Mm-hmm. They will always go into the house together. So when you go in, you have the option to, like, look around and stuff. And then at the bottom in the basement, there's, like, these electrified cages. And I was like, what is going on here? And it's also the whole plot point that people are like, why didn't they just lock up the Hackett's? Why were the Hackett's out that night? And stuff like that, if you want to get into, like, plot holes. But Mm -hmm. we had the werewolf in one, and you have Jacob in his underwear. And they're talking with each other. And then one thing I liked about this game is that that added like the interrupt mechanic. Yeah. So it was, I think all it said was stop Laura. And in my, I said out loud, stop Laura for doing what? And She just shoots the werewolf. Right. Did
0: you stop Same here. No, I had the same thing where I was like, actually, I might've thought like, she's going to shoot a werewolf. Cool. Let her shoot a werewolf. Turns out that werewolf is Nick, and I didn't know that. So that's where Nick died. I didn't know this at the time, but he was the first one to die in my game.
1: Yes, same on my first playthrough, same. I did that. And when it's obvious you shouldn't shoot a gun in the house, I feel like that's still canon to Laura's character, though. Like, she would have done that.
0: Oh, yeah, she's on a warpath for sure.
1: Yeah, so, so like when that happened, I was like, not pissed because I felt like her character naturally would do that, but in my other playthrough, I didn't shoot.
0: Nick? Yeah,
1: we didn't shoot yeah. him in my second playthrough. Okay,
0: all right, yeah. So we have the same thing going on, at least until now. So then up in the house, there's a bunch of stuff that can happen um, in the house in this section. So tell me what happened there.
1: So- There's a big showdown in the room where everyone's being like, it's your fault. It's your fault. And you have um, Travis Hackett, which is the creepy cop, his mom, his dad. Then you have Ryan and you have Laura. And then I think Bobby makes an appearance. And basically it's time to escape the house. But Ryan gets stabbed. Yep. So that happens either way. If you don't shoot Nick, basically what happens is you overhear a lot of more conversation between Constance, which is the mother, and Travis, and she basically tells him that like it's all his fault. You're not protecting the family and all this stuff. And I was yep. like, you are such a bitch. So, yeah. <laughs> so then there's like a struggle moment, and yeah. in my game, Laura shot her dead.
0: Yep, me too. They're struggling over a so gun, that that happened and to you. it yep it blows off like half her face. Yep. Yeah, so, okay, same thing going on here. Um, It felt to me like Laura would have gone for the gun. This old lady's crazy. Like, she's not just going to let this crazy old-ass woman have this gun. So, yeah. And it blows off her face, and it's super gory and brutal, and I like it.
1: Yeah, That the part one of the Hackett showdown. Then you're playing basically cat and mouse with Ryan and Bobby. Yeah. And... Any anything happened for you in particular during these chase scenes where Ryan's getting chased by Bobby or Laura's being chased by... I f- don't remember the father's name off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, I don't know his name either. So, all right. In the one with Bobby and Ryan, there's a whole bunch of those hold your breath sequences. By this point, I knew what I was doing. So those were really easy. So Ryan survived like pretty easily in my game. And then with... The old guy with the, the father, Hackett, and Laura, nothing really came of that. Like, both of them were fine at the end, and then we had this showdown uh, with Chris. I Actually, I don't remember if that happens before Ryan and Laura talk about her biting him to heal his injury. It is... I think it's after. Yeah. Yes. So... Anyway, what about those um, those kind of chases with Bobby and Ryan? What happened for you?
1: Everyone got off free, but I've played yeah. both pathways for Ryan specifically where you can. So he got stabbed. So you have the option to keep the knife in or take it out. I yep. kept it in because you're supposed to.
0: That's what you're supposed to do, right? I, the exact same thing. I was like, I don't know for sure, but I feel like you shouldn't pull a knife out that's stuck in your intestines. Right? Yes, so <laughs> I
1: kept it in. And then, when Bobby approaches you, you can then take it out and stab him. Yeah. did you? Nope? I didn't, but I also played "Where You Do Do That." And it's a very okay. funny clip. He's like, "Oh no, He stabbed me. that Oh, hurts. yeah, that's
0: I did do that. And he runs off, he like he runs crying to like his dad. Yes. Like he's like a big kid. You're right. I did do that.
1: That's so funny. <laughs> and then in the Laura playthrough, I didn't do it, but I was really tempted. You have the option to play the piano, and I wanted to click that key so bad, but mm-hmm. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But I really do you get a trophy
0: do for doing that? That feels like something you'd get a trophy for.
1: No, you don't.
0: But okay. <laughs> I
1: like the option in this game where you can do optional things just to fuck yourself over.
0: Yep. So we get to that part, I guess both of us in our first playthroughs got to this part unscathed where Ryan is about to die. And Laura says like, Hey, if I bite you and turn you into a werewolf, you'll heal. It's been shown like many times that the werewolves regenerate injuries. So she could that's see that's how you're going to keep eye. him alive. What's that?
1: She, Laura could see with her eye now. Cause Max hurts. Right. Her. Yeah, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. she's like, it works.
0: Yep. So, Did you have any like hesitation to let her bite Ryan here?
1: I was like, well, we still haven't killed Chris Hackett, so we could do it. We might as well bite.
0: That was kind of my thought process where it was like Chris Hackett is responsible for Laura being a werewolf. So if Laura bites Ryan, he becomes a werewolf and then we kill Chris Hackett in five minutes. Ryan will go back to normal. That was kind of my thought process and also, but the main thing, like before I even thought about that was this is a video game. I'm going to choose the choice that sounds the most fun right here and letting her turn him into a werewolf sounded the most fun.
1: Yeah. As we're talking about this, this very much happens before the big showdown where you, everyone shows up in the room. I think we might've said that it happened after, but
0: (laughs) yeah. So what happened in that big showdown for you?
1: Okay, so I Ryan, Travis, and Laura were alive at the end of it. I shot Chris Hackett. Me too. And I feel like Bobby was there. Yeah, Bobby's alive, I think. Yeah. So what happens if you stab him, he's less useful, so there's more casualties. But at this point, walking out of the room, I had Ryan, Travis, and Laura alive.
0: Okay. Yeah, in my game... Chris is the only one who died here, and Mama Hackett she died a long time ago. But ending this chapter, it was just Chris and Mama Hackett that died. Mm-hmm. It actually sounds like we're having very similar first playthroughs, yeah. which is uh, which earlier in the non spoiler section I said that I thought I felt like it was way easier to keep people alive, and this is proof of that, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I killed off a couple characters. Literally in the last chapter.
0: Yeah. So in the last chapter, um, you, (laughs) I think this is the chapter or it's the one before where you control Max and he wakes up out of werewolf mode and he doesn't have any clothes. So he puts on this kind of pink like midriff hoodie and um, like these like kind of tight pants. I thought that was super funny because Max is goofy.
1: Oh, it was so funny. I took a picture of him.
0: I think I do have a screenshot of that, too, because he looks so goofy. Oh, shit. Before we get to Max, um, we had that scene in the junkyard with uh, Dylan and Caitlin. So how did that go for you? Did both of them make it out of that?
1: First of all, I was super lost in there. I could not figure out where I was. So it took me (laughs) longer than average, I think, to get through that section. But in my playthrough, both of them made it out alive. And I think the first time I like shook the car... Or swung it around, but ultimately, like basically, Caitlin just falls out of the car and yep, the car falls on him, and then you leave. So,
0: yep, okay, that's exactly what happened in my playthrough, too. Yeah, yeah, so I liked that. Um, chapter, I like that scene a lot. I like how when you turn on the crane, uh, it starts just blasting music like super fucking loud. And Dylan like, freaks out about that. I enjoyed that.
1: I do know that Dylan could be dead by now. So there is a scenario where Caitlin goes alone to the junkyard. Okay. I don't know if that's... I feel like she probably has the opportunity to escape. But I do know that she could be there alone.
0: Okay. Dylan could probably die if you didn't cut his hand off.
1: Yeah, he could have turned into a werewolf and she's right. not been there.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So chapter 10, Max swims to, um or Max like gets off the island or he he's on the island and he has the chance to uh, swim to shore or not. What did you do?
1: Stay. I felt like that was the very obvious choice.
0: Okay. I made him swim to shore but because why? I thought, because I was like, he he wants to find Laura. Maybe he'll be helpful.
1: You, well, you have to think about the situation. He was yeah. put on that island because werewolves don't like the water. So at right. this point, you know that all the other werewolves are dead or contained. So that's he, what I thought. He was safe if you just left him on the island. The werewolves can't get to him because they're either dead or captive.
0: That's what I thought. But- There's one werewolf that is not dead or captive. Yes. Which is Silas. And as soon as Max gets to the other side, Silas kills him immediately. I know. As soon as he gets up on the dock. So Max died in my game right there. I felt bad about that. And I was like, when that happened, I was like, yeah, should have had him stay. But I thought all the werewolves were taken care of.
1: No, I I feel like... I don't want to like make fun of you, but I felt like that's so <laughs> funny that like you thought to swim to shore because in my opinion I was like, oh, obviously we're gonna stay. And then they yeah. like punish you for not like not counting the werewolves.
0: Yeah. Well, and I don't remember if this is before or after um what's his name, Travis tells everyone, actually there's one more we have to go deal with. The yes. the, the white wolf, Silas. I don't remember if they revealed that before or after you make this decision with Max.
1: It's before.
0: Okay. But he said, we don't know where it is. Right. He -hmm. was like, we don't, we don't know where this thing is. So I was like, Max is probably fine. He was not fine. So Max is dead. And you have this uh, scene where they get in the car to uh, go out to the woods where the prologue took place. The exact same spot. I thought that was cool. You find out the reason they swerved off the road in the prologue was because they saw the white wolf out in the road. I love it when games do this. They the monster was on screen minute two of the game, but you have no idea. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. And this is where my characters died.
0: Okay. All right, tell me what happened.
1: I missed the QTE. The timing was completely different than all of the other. Oh, this is the one you're
0: being you're being coy about. This yes.
1: one. <laughs> so quite literally, there's a car accident because what happens is I miss the first QTE. Silas puts his hands on Travis and fucking kills him. Then Jesus. she the car's swerving. The Laura's trying to like steer the car, and Silas rips the car off the road, and you have like two seconds to grab the shotgun. So Laura picks up the shotgun and shoots Silas. Mm-hmm. Silas, Laura, Travis, Ryan, dead.
0: Damn.
1: Yes, but in my play th- the second playthrough, um, I will probably get the same ending that you have gotten at this yeah. point.
0: <laughs> All right, so, and so this is in the car while they're driving. Yes. Before they even go out walking in the woods. Correct. Damn.
1: The QTEs were so forgiving the whole game, but that that there's two QTEs you have to hit, and they are significantly quicker. And you're primed the entire game that you're you have like a second and a half, two seconds, and they're like half.
0: Damn.
1: So I I hit those QTEs.
0: Yeah. um,
1: That's what happens if you trust the QTE timer.
0: mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, so I hit those QTEs, and then they're trying to set up this like final choice of like whether to kill Silas the wolf boy or not I loved and I was that. like not a choice at all kill that fucking thing
1: I loved that if you, you hesit- liked it it's so, I thought it was so funny first of all because first I love Eliza who is the fortune teller
0: right and Yeah, his mom
1: yes his mom and like if Laura shows any hesitancy they start freaking out Travis is what are you doing? <laughs> so, you <laughs> gotta go look up
0: that scene on YouTube, I guess. Yeah, as soon as like the shooting thing came up, I was like, boom, shot him immediately. But I do think that's funny that if she hesitates, like all hell breaks loose.
1: Yeah, they hesitate. And did you have the blood vial? Did one of your characters get covered in blood?
0: I wanna say yes, but I don't remember.
1: So what happens is if you don't kill Silas and Travis will try to take the gun or something and if for some reason Laura keeps on to the gun while Travis is trying to take it Silas gets up and kills everyone who doesn't have the blood.
0: Damn. (laughs) See, I figured like they're setting up this choice of like do you kill the poor hurt wolf boy or not? I figured if you don't kill him right away he's going to kill you. So it was like Literally, as soon as that shooting, like, reticule came up, I was like, nope, boom, done. We're going home.
1: I did that my second playthrough, but I did, like, I like to, after I do my, like, preferred playthrough, I like to look online and just, like, see, like, oh, Mm -hmm. what could have happened? And the fact that everyone could literally die there was so funny to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I had a good time going through the wiki and reading some of, like, the possible outcomes and some of those choices that I thought were insignificant that turned out to be, like, actually a big deal. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So, how did your big chase scene end up at the end, at the house, the lodge, rather, with Caleb? Caleb. So you're in the. You set up the final frontier with Caitlin and Dylan and Abby and Emma. They're all in the house. Oh. And yeah. Yeah. How did that go for you? Yeah.
0: Okay. That was a little bit earlier, right? Um. Yeah. Caitlin shot the fuck out of him as soon as she had the option.
1: Yeah. So everyone survived that option.
0: Yeah. Okay. You, uh, it's coming back to me now. So we had this like action movie sequence where it was like, we found some silver bullets, roll it to Caitlyn or like toss it to Caitlyn. And she grabs it, shoves it in the gun, pop, pop. Caleb's dead. It was a cool little sequence that felt like I could have fucked it up like any number of ways.
1: Yeah. So you have multiple opportunities to be dead here.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's
1: also the opportunity. The option rather that Emma and Abby are not there so you might not get the silver bullets oh so true. that's where the teddy bear is useful because oh. Dylan goes and hides in the kitchen but you and I both had everyone alive so we right presumably both got the silver bullets so if Caitlin like had like tried to lure him into the the kitchen she would and you had the teddy bear you could throw the teddy bear in the back freezer get Caleb in there and lock him up nice so you wouldn't kill him he would I think he dies by hypothermia.
0: Yeah, he probably even if you know he wakes up because you kill Silas later, he's yeah. naked, he's gonna be naked in a freezer. So Yeah. Not great.
1: But I also killed yeah.
0: him. Yeah. And then uh the other thing I didn't mention yet is after you kill Silas, you get a cutscene with the fortune teller and she freaks out on you, and it's so good.
1: It was so good. I am the voice that you hear in the back of your head, the whispers uh-huh. that your hair at the back of your neck sticks up, and I was like, I feel so bad. But, like it had to be done, Eliza. Yeah. Like you're, we're boys, like you and I. We go back like nine hours, right? We go back. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But,
1: <laughs> but I, that whole sequence, I was like, oh.
0: It it was kind of like. You know, because I, again, I really liked uh, Eliza as like the fortune teller character. But once I found out she's mother of the wolf boy, I was like, oh, well, I mean, I'm very sorry, ma'am, but your son had to go. Very sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I, after that scene, I kind of contemplated a little bit. I was like, hmm, should I do a pro Silas run? And then I don't want to get burnt out of the game. So it's something I'll probably do in like a year or something. but. Like that last scene that you have with her. She's like, I helped you all night. And I was like, you did like we're boys. This is business, (laughs) baby. It's just business. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm sorry. Like your son was a fucking werewolf. He had to go. Like, I'm surprised you don't see this, too. So, yeah. Um, So just to recap, um, in my game. The deaths were uh, Mama Hackett got her face blown off by Laura. Same as your game, right? Yes. Um, Chris Hackett, I killed him. And I should say uh, Kaylee, the one who gets shot in the pool, she's the only one that has to die, including Silas, as far as I know.
1: Silas could make it out of the game alive. You don't have to yeah. cure it. Yeah, you don't have to cure the thing.
0: Right. <laughs> so is there a way for everyone to survive? Because I feel like leaving some of the werewolf characters alive would kill... Some of the other characters.
1: I'm actually looking it up because I want to see exactly who you could. I'm not turning off ad blocker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Chrome wants you to turn ad blocker off now, yeah, and that's no, pretty no, shitty. No, no, no.
1: We don't do that. I'm trying. I want to like give an accurate thing. I I know. I'm pretty sure everyone can be alive except for. Chris Hackett, Kaylee Hackett, pretty sure everyone else can be alive.
0: So it doesn't seem like there's a way to get through with everybody
1: alive. I don't have the complete list, but I'm pretty sure that obviously Kaylee has to die. And then I'm pretty sure Chris Hackett has to die. I don't think there's a scenario in which he can live. Because if you don't shoot him, everyone in the room would die.
0: Right. Right. So in order to get the trophy for keeping everyone alive, it's ensuring that all of the playable characters stay alive. So all the teenagers. So you would have to kill Chris. Kaylee would have to die. Caleb would probably have to die because I feel like he would kill Caitlin if you didn't kill him.
1: So like there's a lot of people you have when you're playing God. There's a lot of people's lives on the line.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah yeah for sure so in my game we had mama hackett laura killed her chris died kaylee died she she'll always die nick died killed by laura same as your game right yeah uh max died in my game bad decision on my part tis- you're tis tisking me over there but i'm yeah, sorry I man i
1: mean come <laughs> on what are you doing
0: yeah and um caleb caleb died killed by caitlin and then Silas, because Silas had to go, as we established. So, how about you?
1: Yeah, I, ours are pretty similar. Camp counselor, lie, um, wise rather. Nick's dead, and then huh, Laura, Ryan, they're dead. Right. Travis died, and mm-hmm. Chris, Chris Hackett, Kaylee Hackett, Constance. I feel like the dad probably died. I can't for whatever reason. I mean, he was there for like 15 seconds. Like, does he count? Yeah.
0: I don't I don't even know how he would die unless you don't kill Chris. Maybe he kills Papa Hackett? Yeah,
1: I, I feel like he might I think maybe Chris gets to him before. I mean, honestly, I don't even care about this guy. What is his name? Like I don't like,
0: even know his name. Yeah. I think it I, starts didn't, with I didn't know J. Mama's Mama Hackett either. Yeah.
1: I know her name's Constance. I don't know why I know that. But then I've played the way where you save everyone and everyone goes home. Yay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel pretty good about who died. And the only one who died in my game where I was like, ah, Dave, you fucked up was Max. Everyone else. I was like, they had to, I mean, Chris, you got to kill Chris, Caleb. He's trying, he's trying to kill Caitlin. I got to shoot him. And, uh, Silas, obviously Max was the only one where I was like, ah, you fucked up, Dave Max and his little, midriff t- uh, hoodie that he's wearing. Zip-up hoodie. Yeah, he's super cute in that, yeah.
1: <laughs> Fashion icon.
0: There's a couple
1: <laughs> trophies in this game that I would like to like do another playthrough to get. Okay. And one of them is everyone can get infected. And I have a hard time figuring out how Abby would have gotten infected or like I don't mm. know how she could get it, but there is... A trophy for that. And then similarly, if everyone gets infected, that means Jacob and Emma are infected and they have to be alive. And then Jacob will confess to Emma why this night happened. And I just want to see that scene.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. I want to see the reaction to him confessing that.
1: Yeah, they both have to be infected and then they have to be alive for them to have that conversation so it's like a lot to keep track of but there's a trophy for that and like i just can't even imagine (laughs) how that would
0: go yeah i was kind of waiting for that to come back and have everyone blow up at jacob but everything got so out of control and jacob lost the um the little plastic piece down in the lake yeah he can die down there. I know that that's one way that Jacob can die is that he can drown because yes. he gets caught in like a chain. Yep. Yeah. But no, my in my game, Jacob was doomed to spend the entire night in his underwear, just going through one hellish thing after another.
1: Yep. Same. He got what he deserved.
0: <laughs> so I, the last thing I wrote down is that I just thought that like, because, you know, we said before in an, Until Dawn, you get big misdirections about what the actual evil thing is for the whole game until you find out near the end or, you know, at least halfway through in this game, you know, what, you know, the werewolves are the antagonistic force in like chapter two, but you get all this misdirection about who's helpful and who's not. So like the game starts out, you think Travis is evil and Chris is helpful when it turns out You have to you have to kill Chris in order to keep all the counselors alive. And Travis is actually a solid dude who's trying to walk this tightrope between helping everybody, but also trying to keep his family alive.
1: Yeah, there is certainly a lot going on in this game at all times. (laughs) Yeah, everyone has their own shit to do that
0: night. Mm -hmm. And the um, the the two Bobby and Papa Hackett who are out hunting. Um, another misdirection like I thought there's no way that they're going to be evil when it turns out they're not really evil they're not good either they're just trying to help the family I guess like, they don't seem like they really give a shit about the kids except trying to not create more werewolves you know
1: so what do you make of why the Hackett's weren't locked up that night And also, summer camp isn't just for one month. So how did they deal with that the month before?
0: Summer camp must have just been for one month because um, it was starting the day after the full moon when Max and Laura got there. They got there one day early in the prologue, which is why Chris is down in the cellar. He locked himself down there as a werewolf because he knew what would happen. Mm -hmm. Just Max and Laura got there one day early. So camp was supposed to start the next day or counselors report the next day. So... Uh, Yeah, okay. I think that was the plan. I think the plan was for the counselors to all go home if Jacob didn't fuck it all up. Chris is going to lock himself down in the cellar and then they have... Actually, I don't... Then I That wouldn't explain why Caleb and Kaylee are running free, but at least Chris is trying to do the responsible thing.
1: Yeah, I thought that maybe Kaylee and Caleb wanted to take Silas on themselves or something. That was like maybe how I can explain it. But to be honest, like it doesn't, I'm just kind of writing it off for them.
0: Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like, cause Chris obviously feels like he, he knows he's not going to be in control of his actions so it doesn't seem like Caleb and Kaylee would be able to make any kind of conscious choice to go like fight Silas while they're in werewolf form.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: So it is, Chris is trying to do the responsible thing. Caleb and Kaylee, they're, Hey, they're young people. They're not super responsible, right? That's yeah. what young people are like. They just do whatever they want. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I guess yeah, so. you're right.
0: Not the most responsible, uh, at least on their part. At least Chris was trying <laughs> until Max and, Max and fucking Laura like fucking cutting a chain off of a locked cellar door like make the worst decisions I know <laughs> Well, alright this has been fun Liv thank you so much for coming on and talking about the quarry
1: oh thank you for having me honestly like none of my friends are playing this game so when you asked me hey would you want to talk about the quarry sign me up
0: yeah this has been a really good time Um, and it's kind of a shame that our paths only diverged like in that last chapter basically. But I'm glad that I was starting to get worried. I was like, are we going to have the exact same fucking playthrough here? I am glad that it did diverge and we did have some um, different characters die there at the end.
1: Yeah. Kind of messed up, but (laughs) I went back to correct my wrongdoings.
0: Right. Yeah. And I'm uh, if I ever play the game again, I'll keep max on that Island. Yeah, you should.
1: I recommend it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on everybody who is listening. Thank you so much. Uh, another recommendation to check out between two gamers, check down in the show notes for links to, uh, everything that they're doing. And yeah, this is, uh, this is the last episode of spooky month. So next week uh, we'll have something that is not a horror game. Thank God. So <laughs> tune in next week, everyone for the next game that comes out of the backlog. Oh, Cheer up, sleepy Jean Oh, what can it mean To a daydream believer And a homecoming queen You once thought of me As a white knight on his steed Now you know how
1: happy I can be